0: It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live.
1: It's uh, time now for uh, the Forum at 8. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now two years after President Jacob Zuma went to help mobilize against drugs and substance abuse in Eldorado Park and uh, the surrounding cliptown area south of Johannesburg, The problem does not seem to go away. Now, many children, including girls as young as 10 years old, are still found in the so-called lolly lounges during police raids. And these are houses, uh, for those of you who may not know, they are houses or rooms where men trade sex with uh, these children who are drug addicts. It's a problem in many other parts of the country as well, where substance addicts use various drugs in combination with alcohol as well as other combinations such as cocaine and heroin. So on the forum at 8 this morning, um, we asking... Why are we losing the fight against drugs and substance abuse? I think it, you know there is a, a, some consensus that we are losing this fight because uh, we, we do not seem to be making any meaningful inroads in this fight against drugs and other substances. So that's what we're focusing on this morning. And as usual, the lines are open. Oh eight nine one one zero four two oh eight. That's the number you can call to give us your contribution. You can also SMS uh, to the number three four seven zero one. Tweet or Facebook, AM Live on SAFM, or if it's slightly longer, you can email me um, at at, uh, sakina at safm.co.za. Let me introduce our guests uh, this morning. Uh, In studio with me is Cassie Chambers, who is the Operations Director for the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, ZADEG. Thanks for coming through this morning, Cassie. Thank you. Good morning. Also with us this morning, uh, Cesar Mangangwe, who is Chief Director responsible for substance abuse at the Department of Social Development. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you and good morning and good morning to listeners. And Cindy Lagrange is Editor-in-Chief of Addicts Magazine and uh, living with family members who were addicts. Uh, Cindy, thanks for your time as well.
2: Good morning. Thank you. Now, I'm going to start
1: with you, Cassie, you know, just to perhaps paint a picture for us. um, You guys, you know, constantly doing research into uh, the problems uh, that people face with uh, drugs and other substances. What is the situation currently in South Africa?
3: Well, when we look at it from SADAG's perspective, we run a 24-hour substance abuse helpline. So we get many calls every single day from families, addicts, people who just feel so desperate. Where do I go? What do I do? So what we're seeing from people is that there are not enough resources. They just don't know how to get help. There's also a very high relapse rate. So people can go to a number of different rehabs and still be abusing. I think what we're seeing in society at the moment is that there's definitely an increased use of substances. And interesting, from our press conference yesterday where we had some really top experts that came to speak about substance abuse and the state of substance abuse in the country, the alarming stats is the increase in heroin use. It's very cheap to get on on the streets, but it's very destructive, and it destroys entire families and communities. And I think that's where we're concerned about is we need to be taking this a lot more seriously. Also highlighting the resources that we do have available and letting those people know that are suffering, you know, who are, whether it be family members or even parents who are locking themselves in their room at night so that their child doesn't come in and steal the last TV or mm. their car keys. What can we do to help those families who are in the middle of it? And I think that's what's really important, let those people know that there is help, but it is a problem that every community, community deals with. Substance abuse doesn't discriminate, It can affect any gender, race, community, urban, rural, and I think that's why it needs a national plan to really start to tackle this issue because it's destroying lives. We're losing people every single day due to substance abuse. Families are being broken up. Communities, I mean, you just mentioned El Dorado Park. They are riddled. They're having serious problems with substance abuse, and they just don't know how to fix this. Mm. Uh, You talk about increased use. Uh, do, Do we know why? What are some of the contributing factors here? Normally, there's a combination of factors that come together. So it could be problems at home, relationship issues. It could be easy access, heroin use. And there's so many different mixtures nowadays where you hear of things like wunga, niope, sugars. One of the main contributing factors within the Niope is heroin. And I think when you're looking at how cheap it is to get on the streets, when someone is feeling overwhelmed, uh, they want a quick way to release from their problems, peer pressure, it just might be accessible in the community, it's cool to use it, family problems, trauma. I mean, there's a huge list of what could drive someone to use. The scary thing with taking something as serious as heroin is it's very addictive. And it can destroy you. And your body becomes, uh, where you start to crave it, it becomes dependent on it. So you want more. And more is not enough until the next hustle. And I think that's where it becomes this vicious cycle. The more you use, the more you need. Therefore, you lose everything. You break relationships, families, there's distance. No one wants to help you anymore. You're stealing. You're turning to crime to feed your addiction. And I think that's where the, the vicious cycle comes in. The stigma as well around substance abuse is that society still sees it as a a social ill. You know, Mm -hmm. you you choose to become an addict. And yes, you may choose to take that first hit or that first uh, hit up. But the scary thing is that this is a real illness. It's a real disease. When you are addicted, you are still a person who has a medical problem. And that's what we need to do is that it needs medical treatment. You can't just say to someone, oh, stop using Stop immediately now. We're going to refrain from having any kinds of sub Your body has become addicted to it. It needs it. It's changed the way your body functions. And that's why even yesterday at the press conference, we were talking about medical assisted treatment to help people who have severe addiction as a way to give them any kind of hope to beat this horrible thing, drugs and alcohol. When you say heroin is cheap, how much is cheap? It depends. At the moment, it could be anything from 20 to 30 rand for a hit. Um, nowadays, also the mixtures, you could make these mixes like Niope in your own house. Um, tick is also something that you could mix yourself. So there's all these other combinations, whether it be ARV medications, mixture with weed or, or marijuana. There is so many different formulas out there, but normally it could be anything from 20 or 30 rand for a hit. Uh, Caesar, um Cassie talks
1: about you know um some of the things that we need to do um you know uh, where people will need uh, for example medical intervention but she says it doesn't discriminate, and I guess it's all good and well um, on the level of affordability if you come from a well off family. But when it comes to poor families, I mean, um, there's just a serious lack of facilities for people um, who find themselves or members of their family or their children addicted. So and from the part of social development, you know, um, what sort of interventions have you come up with?
4: Thank you. Let me start by saying yes indeed, uh, we government is making all attempts to win the war against uh, drug abuse and alcohol abuse. As a result, a cabinet in 2010 has established an IMC, which is an interministerial committee, to look at or combating the substance abuse. It is led by our Minister, uh, Social Development Minister, Batshebile. We have come up with a program of action, and the program of action outlines various interventions that we are doing, not only as DSC but as, as 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 interministerial committees, which is various government departments. For instance, um, we, as, a, as a department and as we are leading. We have come up with the education and awareness campaign called Gimoja I'm Fine Without Drugs. It is really a campaign where we are targeting young people, teaching them about the harmful effects of, of, of substance abuse. We are also training Gimoja ambassadors, which is also young people in schools, to really mobilize communities in schools and really take charge of what is happening in schools. And then in terms of treatment, we are aware that treatment is a challenge. It's not easily accessible because of some of the private treatment centers that are quite expensive. So, as government, we've got seven public treatment centres. We are trying to uh, 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 shorten the, uh, the treatment program so that more people can access the treatment program. Furthermore, we have we are also building four additional treatment centres just to make sure that we increase more access to treatment. We are also looking at the outpatient as well, because treatment is not only in, inpatient but as well as outpatient. Where we are working in, in collaborative with health to look at the, the, the outpatients that are, are existing there, for instance, the hospitals dedicate a certain unit where we'll be able to treat uh, uh, people that are addicted to substances. And we are also doing social mobilization because, yes, indeed, like my colleague has already said, the issue of the challenge of substance abuse is not only for government, but it's also a challenge for communities. We are saying mm-hmm. communities need to understand what is happening, take charge, because these things are happening in communities. And again, we are also looking at parents. We are saying we cannot only empower children in schools, but it is also important for us to work with parents to empower them, teach them about the signs and symptoms of a child who is dragging, what is it that they can do while they can still save that child before the the, the situation has uh, is progressing. So, there are various things that we are doing as government, including the DTI. Right now, we're working with DTI to look at the policy on liquor. I'm sure you are aware of mm-hmm. It's out for public Yes, we are looking at it. That policy tries to cap the issues of liquor abuse. We are looking at reducing the trading hours because the more we, op- we have access to, uh, to, to, to alcohol, the more people are addicted to it. So we are looking at that as government. We are also looking at uh, you know, removing the liquor uh, outlet as well as the taverns in, in next to schools as well as uh, places of worship. All those are attempts by government We are also looking at the Department of Health. They are also looking at the bill which is going to restrict alcohol uh, alcohol advertising. So all those are attempts from government side to really uh, deal with the issues of uh, substance abuse in the country.
3: And Cassie, you wanted to respond to that? I did. I wanted to to add to the fact, you know, we've, again, as an NGO, being the South African Depression Anxiety Group, we have to partner with entire communities. And we've also partnered with the Department of Social Development. There's a partnership between SADAG and them in having this 24-hour helpline, which is incredibly important. And over the last five years of running it, we can see that more and more people are accessing that help. And I think one of the projects that we've done in the last two or three years is setting up support groups in communities, exactly what uh, my, my colleague has mentioned, with working into communities, it's bringing back this issue that it's on grassroots level, you know yesterday there was a really nice saying, you know from the pavement to the shack, to the clinic to the home, and I think that's exactly what needs to happen, and through the support group project that we've been doing with the Department of Social Development, we have 112 dedicated substance abuse support groups in communities around the country, to offer that link, you know, so many people feel so overwhelmed, especially families mm. and communities how do I even start tackling this big bad thing of substance abuse. Working with a support group leader who's got partnerships with the clinic because they would need some treatment. Um, They would need to be assisted, maybe even medically assisted treatment. They need to work with the police. Often families have to lay charges against their children. So having these important people in the community again is so important to bring it, you know, it, it takes a village to raise a child, but it takes an entire community to have to tackle something like substance abuse. And I think there's a lot of projects that are in place, a lot of interventions. You know, earlier mentioned the the school talks, um, the school programs, awareness campaigns. And I think those are fantastic and those are very helpful and we're seeing some, you know, marked kind of increase in, in creating awareness and people accessing help. But I think the biggest concern as well for us is, so we create awareness, we're getting people to get help and we're raising awareness in schools and what we should also be doing is, is working more closely with clinics and making treatment available to people who are abusing drugs, just as if they were getting treatment for hypertension or diabetes. It's also to make sure that those people have access to that treatment as well. Mm. And, and and obviously it's that access that usually uh,
1: you know poses some obstacles that is a barrier. And um, not just access to uh, physical facilities, but access also just to information on mm. where to start. And and. and And when people are listening now, those who are listening, probably, you know, facing this sort of problem now, Cesar, where do they go? How do they know where they can access this information?
4: Um, like we, uh, one of the things that we, the strategy that we came up with is to strengthen the local track action committees, because we believe that the local track action committees are our eyes and ears. I mean, they are there in the community. They are the ones that know who to what and where, you know, what are the, the, the community issues that are out there. So we are really going out in communities and say our starting point is to strengthen the local track action committees. Who are going to ensure that they link people with the resources? Since they are working for, they are in the community and they are in, you know, they are in touch with us. It's easy for them to actually mobilize the resources for those communities. Just like what is happening right now in Eldorado El- 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 El Park, the people that have led the intervention in the city, it was the local drug action committees. They are able to mobilize the resources and say, "Here are the treatment centres that you need to access. This is the information, the programs that you're talking about, the government programs." they make sure that those programs they actually find space in their communities so it's very very important that each and every community must have the track, uh, the, the, the local track action committees we are doing whatever that we can to start those communities look around give them resources for instance talk to a, a, a municipalities to say give them you know the space give them a room where they can meet on a weekly basis to have meetings, strategize uh, you know and make sure that whatever they information that they need, we we, we give them that information and they will be able to pass it through to communities. So really, our our intervention now is to work with local uh, structures to make sure that we increase access to information. Mm.
1: And then, you know, the impact on families, because as um, Cassie was saying earlier, it's not just the user, um, you know, who finds themselves in trouble and having to deal with not just the addiction itself, but also the stigma um, that people face. And uh, Cindy, I mean, you have a very inspirational story to tell, um, you know. So, so, so maybe uh, choose the one that you want uh, for us to listen to this morning.
2: Um, yeah, I think this is um, uh, from what I've heard, and and I think there's wonderful, wonderful work and wonderful inroads being made at the moment. And from my personal side, um I've just really been dealing and living with addiction sort of in the home most of my life, but more predominantly for the last 16 years. Um, both of my brothers were heroin addicts, so as you can imagine, that's not it's not the easiest sort of thing to face. I personally believe that um, addiction is a family disease, and when I say that, I mean it has an impact on not just the addicts, it has an impact on everybody that surrounds the addict because it becomes a behavioral disorder, um, if I can put it that way. So it's not just that it's affecting the mind and the craving and all those things that come with it. You know, when you run out of money for rehab and things don't work, you know, your life changes, the addict's um, behavior changes, and and you're going through things like um, petty theft to, you know, being locked up for, for small things because they've got to feed habit all all of their time, you know, and it it has a direct impact on the family. Um, You know, it's it's difficult because I think at a certain point, especially in the beginning years, um, as I say, I've been through it for 16 years, and in the beginning you really don't know. You don't know what you're dealing with. You're looking at this person that you once knew, you know, and, and suddenly there's someone else. You're seeing the same face. But the whole profile is changing because this person is now using drugs and is, um, you know, disappearing for hours at a time, and and it, it becomes incredibly chaotic. And you, in in yourself, being the family member that is affected, you become sick to a certain degree because you look at this person and you think, you know, you hate me. How can how can someone who says they love you do the things that they do and, and and you know, feel and and fight and and then and, and put drugs into their system and, and kill themselves. Because that's, you know, essentially what we're doing is we're watching these people kill themselves. And um, I don't know how to kind of get to my point here. It's, it's, it's incredibly difficult. But as the years go by and you go through private rehab facilities, you go through the system, you start to learn. You start to see, you know, what addiction itself is, what it does to the person. And as I like to say, eventually you start to see beyond the addict, you know, beyond that person that the drug has created. I mean, in my own personal experience, it was, oh, it was horrific, you know, I would think, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened to this guy, you know, did he didn't just wake up one morning and say, you know, I'm just, I'm here, i want to just mess up everybody's lives, i want to mess up my, my own life, and I don't care. And I realized that it was just a vastly an environmental disease, so, it, you know, that plays a part, you know, something traumatic has happened at some stage in your life. And it's sort of, you know, as Kathy said earlier, you know, what caused the person to take that first hit or that first whatever? Um, At the end of the day, something happened. The brain doesn't function in the same way and they start to use these things. And the makeup of the brain has now changed completely and you're dealing with a different person. And it's so difficult because you've got to learn. You've got to gain sort of knowledge. You know, what is it that I'm dealing with? And I think that's been our greatest help, especially with heroin addiction, um, looking at this person and saying, looky, my brother, I can't handle what you're doing. You've gone the whole tough love sort of route and this route and that route. And it hasn't worked. Nothing has worked. The system has largely been against us. And I don't think it's because the system wanted to be against us. I think that we don't always know the devil that we're dealing with. And once we gained sort of knowledge and power, well, it empowered us. Uh, and then projects happen from there, you know. Mm. And it's it is, it's it's a very very difficult thing to deal with
1: certainly is. And of course, we'd love to hear from you as well. We, we, we're we trying to find out, we're trying to establish why it is that we are losing the fight against drug and substance abuse in South Africa. And um, uh, speaking uh, to uh, Cassie Chambers, who is uh, from um, Sadeg, the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. Also, Cesar um, Magangwe, who is uh, from uh, the Department of Social Development and editor of Addicts magazine and a family member uh, who has lived with addicts um, is uh, Cindy Lachranci, our LaGrange, and these are our guests this morning. So let's hear from you. You know, why do you think? We are losing this battle. And to kick us off, let me read some of the messages that have come through. Uh, Kulu says, "Civil society must invoke the spirit of the '80s and lead the community in fighting the scourge of drugs in South Africa." And and and, and uh, off air, Cassie was making this point that when you look at, for example, what happened in Soweto yesterday mm-hmm. uh, with the fire truck being burnt and you know um, and some of the uh, fire, uh, the, some of the um, uh, officials being stoned there, mm-hmm. why? Why can't society turn? on drug dealers, given the devastation that they are sowing in our communities. And maybe we can talk about that as well. Uh, Clever Black says, we are losing the battle because members of society have lost hope. Restore hope and things will improve. Norman Moyo says, the heartbeat of a nation is its moral values and our social moral decay is indicative of a church in disarray um, and and we need to inform morality. John tane says, uh, society has lost uh, moral values, selling drugs that are killing our own future leaders, knowing it is wrong. And we do this all in the name of self enrichment. Uh, Nombongo says, um, is it xenophobic to expel foreigners convicted of drug dealings? Emonti, um, um, haircut containers at West Bank, uh, they rank uh, at the rank there they deal openly. And I think this is becoming more and more of a norm where people are openly dealing in drugs and uh, obviously because there doesn't seem to be any real consequences to these actions. Sam Gelo says uh, substance abuse is worrying um, uh, the youth who drink from Monday to Monday. They don't even see it as a problem. Alcohol, we'll touch on that again. Um, uh, 12th of August, King Damane says uh, but your guest can't dispute the fact that getting hooked on whatever a drug is a choice it is a choice and and Bonga N. July says, um, if there were substance abuse Olympics, South Africa, especially Cape Town, would bring a lot of gold medals home. And Clement Moeng, uh, we as the society, we have an obligation to fight against uh, drugs, but we remain seated and we expect government to vanquish. And uh, let's hear from our listeners uh, who have called in as well. 891 uh, is that call-in number. Let's start with uh, Vuyelwa in Bedford View. Vuyelwa,
5: thanks for your patience this morning hi the reason we cannot win the fight is not only about drugs it's everything everything crime illegal immigrants and building hijacking our father in laws in the parliament they came into power they changed the previous system was set up by the white men of which it was working countries protecting their citizens they've got tough laws they've got no sympathy like malaysia before you land they will announce you've got drugs on you it's a death sentence Saudi Arabia, you kill, you go. But in our country, we've got some police worried about more lining their p- pockets rather than saving our country. Soldiers, police, metropolis, home affairs, they need to work 24 7. I'm telling you, to clean the street of this country, we've got a problem here. You go to Windsor, you buy drugs like we're buying fake cakes on the street, and the police don't do fuck all about it. My, Oops. Okay. my language, the watch country, the language? Is to employ more white people, no more blacks. The behaviour will be changed. You know yourself.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Vielwa, in Bedford View. And just a reminder to everybody else: uh, you know, let's watch our language as we conduct uh, this discussion. Ismail in Durban. Good morning.
6: Hi. Good morning. (coughs) Yes, Ismail. Uh, Basically, the last caller has mentioned everything that I needed to say. I've also been into drugs. I started at a very young age, at about 12 years old, and uh, struggled with it for a very long time. I even relapsed after 10 years, but I managed to stop without the uh, rehab. I sort of pulled myself together. I uh, just want to make a point that uh, those people that are taking drugs, they actually do not want to do this. It's only, it, it, they only realize it once they are in it that this is what it does to you. And uh, to all the parents out there, do not think that your children are fine, uh, looking to what they are doing in their spare times. Do not leave them alone at malls and at sports uh, grounds, because these are the places where things like this start-up. The other point I want to make is, these substances are obviously coming through our borders. We need to tighten up the border controls, and uh, The the, the disappointing part about all of this is that there are so many arrests that have been made where people are caught with drugs, millions and millions of rands worth of drugs, but uh, they are free. They are still on the streets and they are still dealing and enjoying everybody else's money. And uh, I think that something should be done about this. How is it that somebody gets caught with drugs and they're still free to roam around? Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Ismail in Durban. Anonymous, you're also in Durban. Good morning. Anonymous? Okay, let's go to Dr. Andrew Robinson in the Northwest. Good morning, Doc.
7: Hello. Hello, Sakina. Yes. It, it's anonymous in Durban.
1: Oh, um, welcome.
7: Uh, so, um, thanks very much. I, um, I've been keen Sable for 12 years, and um, we do a lot of work in our local community with with uh, addiction in the communities, particularly the poorer communities and things like that. And what I find what we find the biggest problem is, is is that the parents and the the community enable these people to use drugs. They take them into their houses, they they feed them, they clothe them, they do all those things. When really they should do the opposite, they should be throwing them out, putting them out on the street. Because only when you hit your rock bottom are you ready to are you ready to actually come back and actually do something about it and it, it's not a choice it's not a choice to use drugs uh, the choice to use is origi- uh, is originally there but the choice to stop we don't have that choice once we start there is we, we can't just say we're going to stop and we stop I know from my own experience I want us to stop I want to desperately to stop but I couldn't I couldn't until I, reach, until I reached my rock bottom and I reached out and said, help me. And then the people were there to help. It's got to be willing. You can't force, unfortunately. I'd love to take some of the addicts, hold them down and, and force them to stop, but you can't. It's just, and it's going to be there. There's nothing we can do to fight it. All we can do, all we can do is, is, is try and help the next addict. That's all we can do.
1: Anonymous, thank you so much. And and that is sobering, uh, advocating for tough love there. Mm-hmm. And and you can't help but think of, you know, the people you see on the streets uh, who sniff, you know, glue and all sorts mm-hmm. of other things that they get their hands on. Imagine that, you know, being one of your family members, mm-hmm. if that is one of your children, you know, I, I, I don't know, tough love. But, you know, uh, do we have it in us to actually do that? Uh, Dr. Andrew Robinson in the Northwest. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Um, thank you for, for this opportunity. I'd just like to uh, share what, what I learned from the International Aid Society Conference, which was held in Vancouver just last week, where there were two key presentations which showed how there can be success in combating um, drug drug use and drug, uh, drug addiction. And um, what hasn't been mentioned is the link with drug abuse and the HIV a- epidemic. In British Columbia, Vancouver, in the 90s, they had the highest um, rate of incidence of HIV linked to drug abuse. They had a real problem. The way they dealt with it was what the previous speakers mentioned. A, crimin- a criminal justice approach is not the, the answer to solving it. Um, people that are addicted to drugs have a medical They are ill. They require health care and what is needed is to support those drug addicts um, with uh, uh, replacement therapies that are available and also safe areas in which they can take their drugs so they don't have to go to these uh, uh, smack houses. There's a health facility where they can get clean needles there's a needle um, uh, toxic waste disposal, and they can be brought into the health system. And with limited resources, we need to target the hotspots firstly, where where the bulk of these are, and support these these addicts. As a previous speakers said, no one wants to do it, but they cannot escape. They don't want to pick a, a dirty needle up off the floor, but they've got no choice. So, as health professionals, we need to provide them with an environment which is safe and in Vancouver where they had this problem by making those interventions they showed that there was a, a rapid decrease in the HIV incidence mm. and also there is a reduction in um, uh, uh, the number of addicts. doesn't solve the problem but and it's complex. It's, other speakers have alluded to the other uh, complexities of it. Yeah. And, um, it's a family illness. Why would a 10-year-old girl go to this if there wasn't family problems? Mm. So but my uh, comments, we need to realize not to criminalize the drug addict, but to realize they are sick. The pre- presentations in Vancouver showed with um, latest um, brain imagery that the brain is affected and the, the explain the behavior and the consequences of of that behavior. So we need to support them as as health workers, realize the link with HIV, target the hotspots as a start, and work from there outwards.
1: Dr. Robinson, thank you so much uh, for sharing that with us. Uh, uh, you know, uh, really useful, and, and of course, you know, it, it speaks to the approach that we as a country, as a nation, take towards this particular illness, this problem that we are facing. And um, yes, at the moment, it does seem as though we are reacting to what is going on, but um, obviously, we need to come up with a more comprehensive approach, a policy position in terms of how exactly we are going to approach this problem. Muscle Bay, good morning.
8: Hello, how are you? Well, and you? I'm good, I'm good. Actually, I um, <clears throat> I have a question and uh, uh, it, this is a very interesting um, uh, issue that we take in, but there, there's actually um, a lot of uh, ways that we need to look at it. You know, um, firstly, we have um, the alcohol industry supporting, say, sports, which is promoting a good thing whereas it's something that is very addictive and it's bad for people's health. And then we've got drugs which are sold to people and then, well, they create the edits. But then the question now is how are we going to stop this? We need to look at it in a, in, a, in a sense that we need to stop the fire from the source, not from top, you see. So now I just want to know how 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 are they or how are you guys going to stop this? What What is it that you, you, you have in mind? Because you need to stop it from the source because it doesn't mm. help if you're going to Try helping people to get healed, whereas the source still continues to supply.
1: Mm. But see, Homoso, it's not how are you going to solve it, it's how are we going to solve it. Because this affects all of us in one way or another. You may say that I am clean, my family members, we don't have that problem. But some nyaupe addict somewhere is going to come and steal from you in order to support their habit. Mm. So whether we like it or not, we are all affected by this Mm. problem. But thanks so much for your contribution. Sigin you Randberg, good morning.
9: Good morning, thank you very much. This is a major issue because our little children in primary schools are being cor- uh, corrupted with drug uh, addiction. In primary school, I ask you, mm-hmm. throughout the Western Cape probably, and and we have police uh, uh, generals who, who grew up in Bontohueville and who knew every drug dealer and who failed to arrest them. In fact, they arrested uh, uh, Helen Zille when she was pointing out the drug Dealers, she, they arrested her, and and the people in charge were seriously high police officers who ultimately wound up heading the Hawks and 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 Gauteng police they headed up uh, because we were promoted after uh, arresting Helen Zille, and 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 it goes back to Jackie Selebi, our previous uh, super police commissioner uh, he was even head of the Interpol and, and, and he was in cahoots with Agliotti who got off scot-free with I don't know whether he was even responsibly for the murder of Brett Kebel, who was also a major uh, uh, benefactor of, of the ANC and, mm-hmm. and and so it goes on uh, the corruption runs right into the top of our government who absolved Jackie Salebi and who keep on uh, letting a crooked police commissioners go and at present we've got the Western Cape where it's worst, where Manenberg is, is going to the dogs they, they, we've got a police chief there called Lamour uh, and and guess what, he's been uh, he was supposed to be investigated um, for being in cahoots with a drug dealer and, and, and he was informed about it he, uh, the, the, the investigation was leaked by the head of our police uh, 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 Ria Pieche, uh, I ask you. Uh, okay. So what hope is there when when it goes right to the top of our political elite?
1: Ah, there goes Sig. Um, and, and, and then again, Sig, um, I hear everything that you are saying, but it starts with you and I. We need to make the difference. We live in the communities. Our children go to these schools. And, you know, when you think about a 10-year-old you know, being a drug addict, I mean, how can your heart not break? You need to be heartless. I mean,
3: um, from a uh, sadex point of view, you know, uh, the youngest addict that you've ever had to deal with? Yes, I mean, over the years with, with running the helpline, our youngest addict that we've had to um, actually get arrested and, and get into a rehab facility was also an addict and dealing at school was seven years old in Durban. So this is not something, and that's one that we're aware of. This is happening across every single province, every community. Again, substance abuse is everywhere. It could be starting from the medicine cabinet at home to those that are addicted to over-the-counter or prescription medication, you're also a user. You're also an addict. Mm. You may look differently. You may be more functional and work. It could be the soccer mom, someone sitting across from you at work. However, you're still an addict. You're mm. still affecting society versus those people that are living on the street who are just hustling for the next hit. I think substance abuse is something that affects every community. We're not uh, you know, discriminated against. Everyone can be affected. And I think it takes everyone to be involved in order to tackle this you know we, we can't sit back and wait for the government to do something or for a new program to come into place or for the corruption to go this is our reality but what can we do with it now and I think even through this morning it can be very doom and gloom and, and you could be worried about where is the hope is there actually help am I even bothered to even try help someone and I think The most important thing that I would like to get across is that there is always help. The resources we do have available, yes, we don't have enough. They're not fantastically great. They might be expensive, but there are always options. There are free support groups. There are free counseling centers. There are government rehabs. There's hospitals. There are options. Do not give up hope. If you are using and you want to stop, please call a counselor, Tzadig. If you are a family member who is concerned about someone, don't wait for something bigger to happen. You have the power to fix this or to start getting help today. And they can call us on our toll-free number 800 121314. 14 It's a 24-hour toll-free helpline. If they don't have enough airtime or access to a landline, they can SMS us and we will call them back on 32312.
1: 32312 one, one, two. Yes. Uh, that's the sms and 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 you will be called back um because i've got um you know a tweet here um i've just uh, since we started the show been tweeting back and forth with uh, natim lochwa his first tweet um this morning says um Aish, i also have an alcohol problem mm. and i asked him are you getting help he says no i'm not getting any help so i asked do you want help and he says yes I would love to get help because this thing is bad and it's costing me a lot. And I will be glad if I can get some mm. help. So maybe we can reach out, uh, you know, to Nati after mm. the show. And you know, if we are able to help one person mm. this morning, then it wasn't in vain. But obviously, we want to look at more ways mm. of coming up with um, comprehensive approaches, mm. comprehensive strategies, and policies to deal with this problem. Cesar, um, you know, um, as many of our listeners also pointing out. The issue of alcohol and alcohol addiction, and the role that that plays um, as a gateway drug in some instances to harder substance abuse. Okay, Uh, Cesar, I'm not sure where uh, there's something wrong with the line. You sound very far away. We can barely barely hear you. Can you hear me? Uh, Better now? yes, Yes. Yes.
4: Yes, yes, I'm saying yes, I agree with you that uh, alcohol, it is a gateway drug because um, it is an acceptable drug, it's socially acceptable, and that is why we are having so much problems. But what I want to say is that as 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 I was listening, people are talking about we need strategies. We do have strategies. For instance, we have the National Drug Master Plan that speaks about uh, demand reduction, harm reduction, and supply reduction, which is talked to police and, and, and illicit trafficking. So what we need is really for us to strengthen what we already have. Because to reinvent the wheel is not going to help us. We do have the policies in place. We do have the the, the political will to tackle the issues of substance abuse. All what we need is that substance abuse, it has to become everyone's business. For really, for us to really make and win the and win the
1: war. But 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 the reality is that um, you know any plan, any policy is only as good as the implementation thereof. And what has been done in this regard? Because if this is what the general public is saying, it means that those policies have not filtered down to the ground.
4: The policies have been, uh, you know, slowly, they have been implemented. I mean, we, for instance, the housing. The housing is one of the problems that is really challenged with the issues of substance abuse. And there's quite a number of things that housing has done. If you look at all the programs that you spoke about, there's quite a number. But it's just that not everybody is on board. This is what we are saying. We are saying that is the challenge where it is. If we can try to make sure that everybody is on board, whatever that you are doing, all these pockets of excellence is, which are in various communities, they will be able to spread across and cover the entire province, as an example. Then they will will see better outcomes. But at this stage, it is not everybody's problem. That is why not everyone is involved. So that is our appeal. That's why we're appealing to our parents. We're appealing to community structures. We're appealing to churches. We're appealing to everyone to say, if we can all get involved in one way or the other, no matter how small it is, we will really make a, a progress in terms of dealing with issues of substance
1: abuse And uh, Cindy, let me bring you in very quickly. Two questions I have for you. I want you to respond um, <clears throat> to what one of our callers was saying about a Tough Love Anonymous. And also, do we know where the drugs are coming from? You know, where do they come from, actually?
2: Okay, just <laughs> okay. um, in terms of, uh, of Tough Love, I, th- I think I got cut off at a certain point. I'm not too sure what was said, but... Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know we're having a lot of discussion here around moral issues and what is the government doing and and what is in place and I think if we bring it back down, we've got to bring it back down to basics. The system can seem completely against you, and we are always looking for someone else to solve our problems um and and as Cassie said, it does, it takes a village um, I know what it feels like we've been down this road, where the drugs are coming from is a completely another story. I mean, I don't know which countries are bringing it in. I do know it's on every single street corner. You might not, they don't wear stickers on their heads that say, hi, I'm a drug dealer, but every addict knows them. And, and they, your, your kids are at risk, we're all at risk at the end of the day. But I think there's a, and I can't say who said it, but it begins at home. It begins at home. When we start to realize the problems in our own home and we say, okay, we have an addict, what do we do now? Let's understand what this problem is. Let's research it. Then let's go out there and see what does the system say we should do and go and try that. I've tried that, and unfortunately, at this point, it doesn't work. But they are trying. Let us go further than that. Let's reach out. Remove the stigma completely. Mm they us say, you know what it is, it's, it's, in the beginning it's such a shameful thing, oh my goodness me, there's an addict in my house, what's going to happen? I have children, what are people going to think of us? Because, you know, there must be some glitch in our system, the DNA is not nice and it's, you know, there's something wrong there. But the bottom line is to start here, fight. And I don't mean physically going out into the street and saying, so, there's a problem, there's an illness in your home and ask the questions. Make the phone calls. You know, say is there. Go and get some advice. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they can offer you a direction, they will. We don't know where these drugs are coming from, but I can tell you, they are everywhere. They're in the primary schools, in the high schools, on every street corner. And mm-hmm. you cannot see it. You know, it's okay. you, nobody wears a badge. I
1: know? just want to take two yeah. quick calls here, but um, uh, Lloyd Thomas agrees with you, and he says... The problem is drug supply, and it is, of course, everywhere. Mapule in Durban, good morning.
2: Uh, Good morning. Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you clearly. We don't have much time, though, Mapule.
4: Okay. Yeah, I'm a primary health care nurse, and I appreciate what CISA and the uh, the government is doing. My problem is we don't have enough uh, government uh, facilities whereby we can refer these kids when they come to our facilities in clinic. A kid will come over and tell you that, they want to stop. And then we we'll send them to the referral hospitals. They will be sent from pillar to pole. Mm-hmm. Nobody will help them. That's the problem. If only there will be policies and facilities whereby they will tell us, if somebody comes and wants to stop, refer them to this particular place whereby they will be helped. Then I think we will win this role.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, Mapule, uh, Zizi Kotwa, good morning.
10: Good morning, FK. If there was anything that I could to talk about this, because I think it is killing the fiber of our society, in the future. We had a visit in a number of institutions during the International Mandela Day. We went to Fabiana Rebery in Cullinan, Pretoria. The gravity of the suffering of Mustafa Niawopi, how much it's destroying Pretoria, areas around Pretoria, it is amazing. For me, it's not about how many institutions you could have in terms of rehab centers but it shows that there's a collapse of family unit. If in that institution, for an example, you have an addict that is in the old, can, I, can you explain it? Where is the family? I think the emphasis for me, among other things, is got to, to resuscitate the institution or the family unit because if a society has got a complete collapse of family unit, you can, build, you can build as many correctional services sender, you can build as many rehab sender, but if you don't have... Uh, a strong family unit, you're not resolving the
1: problem. Well, thank you so much, Azizi Kodwan, everybody else who contributed this morning. It's nine o'clock. It's time for news with Kumbuzile Tabete.